0: WMNF Tampa, on air with your support.
1: This is WMNF Radio 88.5 FM. This is the public affairs program on Mondays now called Community Speaks. And first of all, I do want to thank you for your support for this particular program last week. I certainly appreciate it. My name is Patrick Romabili, your host for Community Speaks. And last week was only my second show on the air in this particular period for Community Speaks. And uh, so that was a pretty good showing. I definitely thank you for helping me reach the goal. Well, today is Juneteenth. This is June 19th, the day that this country is now celebrating for the last two years. We're celebrating the end of slavery in the United States. And that has raised a lot of other issues. One of the things that I want to... Talk to you about and ask about for from you today is do you uh have you studied your ancestry? Have you studied where you've come from? Every Juneteenth, genealogy is one of those things that becomes my mode of celebrating. And over the last couple of years I have learned so much about my own ancestry and I Kind of want to share some of that with you today. Maybe it help you get to know me better. But I want to hear from you as well. The number to call to talk on Community Speaks today is 813-239-9663. Or you can write, you can write DJ at WMNF.org. And there are a couple of other issues that have been coming up as we commemorate. The end of slavery, of course, it was in 1865 in Galveston, Texas, that the troops rolled in into a, uh, a Texas that was in a country that was reeling from the Civil War. So there was still a lot of violence as whites were in resistance mode from being told that their enslaved populations had been emancipated. So it took two years for the troops to come to Texas and bring that modicum of calm and control and enforcement on the issue of emancipation also happened here in Texas 2 years later is uh here in Florida 2 years after the emancipation proclamation was signed uh in emancipation day is May 20th as the troops came into Tallahassee on that day and uh on this on May 20th two years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. And, you know, part of the bookends of history when it comes to race relations in the United States that it was also on this day in 1965 that the Civil Rights Act was finally passed. And that caused such an upheaval politically in this country that the uh, Democrats of that time... uh, were considered Dixiecrats, just as white supremacists, just as segregationists, just as Southern, uh, began to bolt from the Democratic Party and move to the Republican Party. And so those two parties, because the Democrats supported civil rights, and so those two parties took on a different demeanor. They They underwent a personality change in 1965. And we've been reeling... From that one event, you know, because that was such a backlash uh, against those who were in power and didn't want change, and so now here we are today. We're celebrating the end of slavery. We're celebrating the beginning of, of modern civil rights movement. Uh, but there's a lot to be desired. Uh, there are people in Congress right now who thinks that. The 13th Amendment needs to be cleaned up. Uh, there's a, a, a an amendment or uh, a loophole in the 13th Amendment that says slavery is abolished except for the punishment of a crime. It's the slavery is punishment loophole. And so now there are Congress people who are looking to close that loophole. Uh, one congressperson... Uh, Senator Booker of New Jersey and Oregon's U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley, they've, uh, as Juneteenth has approached, has introduced this bill. They teamed up to introduce the Abolition Amendment, which is a bicameral resolution, which would strike the slavery clause of the 13th Amendment and a constitutional loophole, which allows slavery as a punishment for crime in the United States. And a lot of political scientists believe that, that is probably what helped bring Southern states back into the Union was this idea of continuing a form of slavery through prison labor, through uh, punishment. So, so this country was founded on the principles of equality and justice, principles that have never been compatible with the horrific realities of slavery and white supremacists. That's a comment from, The co-sponsor, Senator Merkley, and uh, Jeff Merkley goes on to say nearly 160 years after the 13th Amendment was ratified, the evil remnants of slavery persist in the United States, embedded in the heart of our Constitution. And to live up to our nation's promise of justice for all, we must take a long overdue step towards those principles by removing the loopholes in our ban on slavery. No slavery exception. And so here we are in 2023, and it's finally picking up steam to get rid of that loophole that has really been instrumental in maintaining a certain correctional control over the black population in this country. Uh, we know that during the height of Jim Crow, almost any crime, would uh, any behavior was considered a crime, just the whole... Crime of loitering, Uh, this comes out of slavery. A a free enslaved person during the height of slavery could be picked up for loitering and thrown right back into slavery. Uh, The police, especially sheriffs all over this country, were instrumental in upholding the slavery system that any black person that was behind bars, if you wanted to own that black person pay the sheriff $1,000 and he's yours. So they were very instrumental. And of course, if an enslaved person ran away from the plantation, it was uh, up to the police and oftentimes by deputizing white citizens to form slave-catching posses and go and get them. And even with the Missouri Compromise, uh, there was Still, Fugitive Slave Acts, Uh, one of the most notorious amendments in the 1850 Fugitive Slave Act was that D.C. would recognize free states, but if you were a runaway slave and you ended up in D.C., D.C. would be responsible for for delivering you back to your slave master. So this is the history, and a lot of this history... A lot of our kids are not learning anymore because there are Republican governors who are making certain that this uh, history is, is not taught in our public schools, which is another problem, another political issue that we have to struggle with and fight against today. 813-239-9663 is the number to call if you have something to, to offer and say about Juneteenth. Uh, maybe about your ancestry, about the 13th Amendment. Uh, today here at WNF, tonight, we're going to have an open house potluck party. So you'll have an opportunity to come on up if you have contributed or donated to attend. And we're going to hear a reenactment by Donald Dowridge who reenacted a lot of Jeff, uh, Frederick Douglass' uh, comments. Frederick Douglass was one of the most preeminent voices uh, who during slavery understood and and articulated slavery as it happened. And we'll get a treatment of that tonight from Donald Dowridge, who's been very good over the years of reenacting Frederick Douglass and giving us an idea of what life was like. But such is the case with the slave narratives, I talk about over the last couple of years, I have been doing my own genealogical research. And lo and behold, one of the voices who were written about during the slave narratives, which was a commissioned, a government commissioned work to put down the voices of those who had been enslaved on paper, and in some cases, I do believe some of the, the uh, slave narratives were recorded. I wish I could find some of those recordings. I would share them with you. Uh, but one of those voices was the one who was associated with my own family. His name was Glasgow Norwood. And he shows up in the slave narratives. He lives, lived at the time near Panola, Mississippi, on a farm. And he was born about 1852. This is all from the slave narratives. Uh, And what's interesting about the slave narratives is that this happened, uh, a lot of this was happening during the early 20th century. And so these were the people who had actually experienced emancipation. These were the people who were actually alive and felt that exhilaration when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. So it was Uh, very much forward-thinking to put their words down on paper so that we, as their posterity, could read it. And the fact that this person shares the same last name as my great-grandfather, I don't think my great-grandfather actually knew his grandparents, but through my genealogy research, I I have found them. And one such person... Glasgow, Norwood, I do believe, was uh forced by the slave master to raise one of the sons, which would have been my great great grandfather, uh, who was the son of the <laughs> of the slave master, well, the son of the slave master, who actually was given. My great-great-grandmother, her name was Minerva, who was listed in the census as a concubine. So that was her enslavement role in the household. And her job was to to be available to the slave master's son. And he obviously, uh, she bore two children from him, one of which was my great-great-grandfather, the father of my great-grandfather. And my great-grandfather was still alive in the late 1970s and had an opportunity to talk to him a lot. So I understood that he did live in Simpson County. He did live in Panola, Mississippi. So this Glasgow Norwood would have been the man who was charged with raising one of the slave master's sons. So it's interesting to hear his story. He talks about the uh, plantation itself. Glasgow Norwood does. In his slave narrative, he talks about how he was 10 years old when he was first uh, started to doing odd jobs around the, the plantation. He talks about the overseers, um, to one of which was the slave master's son, uh, but not the one that gave uh, me his DNA. That was the slave master's son named George W., Another coincidence. So there's so much more about his slave narrative I'd like to share with you, but I do want to hear from you. 813-239-9663. This is Community Speaks here on WMF Radio, and I do have one call ready to go. I'll see what you have to speak, how you see what's happening here on Juneteenth, and what other issues you have to talk about. And uh, unfortunately, Irene is not here today, but so give us your name and where you call it from. Call her. You're on Community Speaks. Can you hear me? In Florida. I'm sorry. Start over again.
0: It's Twinkle. Hey, Twinkle. Hi. I don't want to interrupt you because I love listening to you talk, but I was wondering if you could give a reading list or some kind of thing for our library and other people to educate the younger people um, like I'd like to, I'd like to educate my grandchildren and I know that they're taking it out of the schools and I don't know what they're learning and what they're not learning regarding this stuff. And I, I know that they have heritage, um, yeah. And that their father, his mother, I think has her papers or found copies just like you on the, on the, uh, ancestry thing. And I, I'm just, I'm fascinated, I'm disgusted at the way it is now, but I love, you know, we do have the ability to educate ourselves, Yeah. you know, and so I would like if you could list it or have, you know, something, a link or anything, because you've got such a wonderful perspective and this is a huge, big deal. It's a huge help for us to be able to have access and I'd like to spread it around
1: okay well yeah i I would do that. I would certainly work up a list of great reads that would that help you link so us great. yeah
0: meanwhile, just hearing you your your perspective and and your calmness with everything everything about you and your show is fantastic, and I really appreciate that you're out there. thank you
1: thank you, I'm appreciating you're out there. thank you for calling <laughs> bye, bye bye, twinkle and uh I'm glad you're appreciating the show. How do you feel? Eight one three two three nine nine six six three is the number to call. So many things to talk about here on Juneteenth. My mind can go all over the place. Uh, but there's another perspective that I wanted to raise up. The anti-abortion laws are now seen as uh, by at least one person constitutes involuntary servitude that violates the 13th Amendment. This is an opinion piece. That was published, written by Mike Wilson, uh, earlier this month, and uh, I thought it was an interesting take on the question of abortion. I know that the right wing has constantly used slavery as a uh, equalizer to, to bring an equivalence to why they wanted to outlaw abortion as a safe and legal. Uh, necessary thing um, But a constitutional basis For a woman's right To terminate a pregnancy The Supreme Court Has not directly addressed And that's 13th Amendment Which abolished slavery And involuntary servitude. In several op-eds Over the past several decades Of Varga government forced pregnancy Is slavery But Jane L. versus Bangarden, a Tenth Circuit case In 1995 Quoted a prominent constitutional law scholar said a woman forced by law to submit to the pain and anxiety of caring, delivering and nurturing a child she does not wish to have is entitled to believe that more than a play on words links her forced labor with the concept of involuntary servitude, according to this uh, case. And the court pointed out his tribe, is Lawrence tribe, this uh, constitutional law scholar, did he said the judicial recognition of the similarities between the historical plight of women and blacks underscores the 13th Amendment's relevancy. The idea that women are autonomous persons is relatively new. Historically, in English and American law, women had no legal identity under the doctrine of cover, uh, coverture. At birth, a female baby was covered by a father's identity, and upon marriage, her husband's. Until passage of Married Women's Property Acts in the late 1800s, married women could not even own property apart from their husbands, and they also had no right to control their bodies. A husband owned his wife's labor, her absolute right to to sexual access, um, uh, had absolute right to sexual access to his wife, and a claim to children born therefrom. And when the states ratified the 14th Amendment, in 1868, no one thought its provisions for equal protection under the laws applied to women, and that didn't happen until 1971, in a case litigated by a crusading attorney, and future Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, called Reed versus Reed. Uh, that was uh, about equal protection under the laws, uh, and of course, this comes from a country that, uh, if you were born. To an enslaved woman, than you were born a slave, so your freedom depended on whether or not your your mother was free. Uh, this is a highly patriarchal society, and we've built on top of that on and more on top of that. But the equal protection can't save abortion rights if SCOTUS is ideologically or the Supreme Court is ideologically committed to denying them. And in the the case that overturned Roe v.ersus Wade. Which was called Dodd versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization, the judge simply dismissed equal protection in two sentences without addressing any arguments or precedent, attempted to foreclose the issue for good. Uh, similarly, in the state of Florida, after that Dodd ruling came down, one of the reasons that was given as to why Florida should not try to limit access to abortion was because of privacy rights women's privacy but that seems to have also been completely dis uh discounted by the governor of this state who's continuing to double down and triple down on whittling away it's gone from what 24 weeks before you can get an abortion in Florida to now down a proposal for 6 weeks and the Supreme Court of Florida is still having to rule on whether or not that's a violation of a woman's right to privacy. So here, the 13th Amendment is being considered as one such a amendment that shows that anti-abortion laws constitute involuntary servitude. And so therefore also should not be uh, denied women. So... That's one take on the 13th Amendment. But as I said earlier, there's also the the clause, the loophole clause that says slavery is abolished except for the commission of a crime, which has done a lot to uh, ramp up participation in the prison industrial complex in this country. Uh, A lot of people are writing about slavery on this day. Did slavery really end in the United States if you have such a loophole? Uh, There's a... Time Magazine has published this uh, article about the complicated history of Juneteenth. And uh, just the idea of making it a federal holiday has been not without its controversies, Uh, but... Anytime we talk about this kind of change on this order that flies in the face of white supremacy, the idea of getting rid of a lot of the Confederate statues, the Confederate flag, and recognizing that uh, this was the real holiday of freedom, not 4th of July, (laughs) given that in 1776 this country was still at the height of slavery. But on June 19th, as uh, this general order number three came down, the people of Texas are informed that, in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. And in this article in Time Magazine, the story was just not that simple. Nothing ever is when it comes to dismantling the uh, barrier or the, um, well, dismantling white supremacy. Uh, there are some enslavers in Texas that didn't tell their enslaved people that they were free and they had them keep on working. Um, may not have told them. That doesn't mean that they wasn't aware. And um, that didn't mean that there weren't people resisting and trying to get out of Texas or continue to get away from the, the plantation uh, under the pain of violence, uh, the threat of violence. And so a lot of that was what was happening in that two-year period after emancipation was signed and the troops showed up. Uh, That was violence. There was a lot of fighting. There was a struggle to get out of Texas to get free. So when did slavery actually end in the United States? Uh, There are multiple dates that could be singled out. Like I said, it depends on what state you're in. It happened on May 20th in the state of Florida uh June nineteenth state of Texas or at least in Galveston um there's a, uh, is more like a process and uh rather than an event that occurred on a particular day there were there were some cases of people who escaped the freedom or won their freedom in court years earlier uh which is another thing that we could all go over together. the slave petitions, a lot of which came right out of Florida that showed. Uh, a lot of the uh, wills that named people before black people were named in any census report because during the height of slavery, we didn't have the the humanity of our own names, our first names to be listed anywhere. We were just listed as an enslaved person uh, on a plantation or in some bill of sale or something like that, that helps us get some kind of a timeline. But a lot of people were faceless, nameless people. And uh, But thanks to the census, we could start to make those connections again. We could start to, to go backwards and find it. And I've been lucky to find quite a few of my particular ancestors. Uh, and I've been really uh, getting to know them, especially when we get around Juneteenth because they, as I said earlier, would have been the ones that had experienced this emancipation. Uh, So much more to talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and stop right now. It's 1230 and let you speak up more. 813-239-9663. This is Community Speaks. I do want to hear from the community about your ancestry, about your feelings about uh, the end of slavery being true liberate the, the true day for freedom to be celebrated. Uh we talk about Thirteenth Amendment, the exception clause, the punishment clause, the punishment loophole, and of course the whole idea of the Thirteenth Amendment being a violation to women who are forced to carry babies term that they were not that they no longer are legally allowed to abort. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. Lots to ground to cover. With you here on Community Speaks, go ahead, caller. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
2: Hi, this is Dre. I'm on the road just right now uh, in Central Florida. Uh, I'm uh, congratulations, uh, Miss Mobili, on um, uh, acquiring this uh, time slot. This show. Thank it's you. Tremendous. Um, I uh, have some mixed ancestry, um, and then I have an observation. Um, I, I'm I've su- uh, suggested by. Elders on both sides of my family uh, that were part indigenous uh, from out of Mississippi. One of them from out of the southeast here, uh, Florida, Georgia. Um, That interest has interested me for years, along with the general, uh, you know, migration or portation of my ancestry. Um, But something that uh, uh, happened recently that was uh, very uh, interesting is that uh, there is a cemetery, uh, graveyard, 22nd Martin Luther King, that was recently uh, in a, a controversy uh uh-huh. city of Tampa, and I can't be sure if it were uh, or not, but I thought I'd see uh, a war memorial for the Negro War, and the thing about that is it, it, it's complicated. It, I'm curious by which name do we go with. Is it the Seminole uh, Negro War, uh, a part of the Seminole War, uh, or is it just the Negro War? And, and there were different nations in conflict here in the Southeast, in Florida, for a time. And depending on how it's distinguished, it can be enigmatic. Confusing, yeah. and so I, I just wanted to uh, make mention of that. I hope to spend some time over there because I have family there, but uh, it's just uh, very confusing, and I just wanted to bring that up. Maybe someone um, could discuss that, um,
1: someone more knowledgeable out there, um, when it as it pertains to that. Yeah, you're talking uh, about the Florida. You are talking about the Seminole, the Black Seminoles, and the Second Seminole War.
2: Right. And there's been three. Um, And it uh, was uh, uh, accomplished uh, by the United States government uh, ahead of the Civil War. There was a rebellion in some people's eyes uh, or understanding. And it was something that needs to be tamped down in different parts for uh, from some scholarship that I've I've been studying lectures on that there was a a small bit of tranquility in uh, many parts of Florida amid uh, the uh, freedmen, those who escaped slavery, uh, and, and uh, those who uh, have been aligned with the tribe and, and, and integrated, quite frankly, uh, tremendously uh, through blood. Man. And uh, the thing about that is, is when uh, what are those nations' records? Um, and uh, how do we distinguish... Uh, that history is very, it's very confusing and in a way upsetting for me, uh, because uh, uh, you know, being uh, a, a descendant of people who were sired, as far as I understand, sired into, you know, being treated like livestock, you know, by different groups, many different groups. Um, I, I can't get that family connection, you know, there back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like like, uh, you know, family values in the U.S. need to go a little bit further back now. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if some if some folks want to hang on, you know, to their spiritual uh, principles in mind, you know, I lose respect tremendously on that. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. There's another facet that I can't exactly articulate or recall just right now because it's so deep. Um, but I just want to thank you for the opportunity for uh, making mention of that, hopefully, some, some uh, there are folks out there who can enlighten
1: me, us, um, and uh, I'm going to be checking out that graveyard, brother. Yeah, do so, and you might find so much, so many other clues right at that graveyard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for your call. And there is a a great book that I'm going to check out myself that covers the this whole period called Florida's Negro War, Black Seminoles and the Second Seminole War, uh, because one of the main objectives of the United States government, we were talking about from 1817 to 1858, the United States government engaged in this bitter conflict with the Seminole Nation. This conflict would result in three distinct wars. The Second Seminole War, which ended in 1842, uh, was conducted under the Indian removal policy of the 1830s. And this war was a result of the American plantation society's relentless efforts to enslave the black Seminole population. And the United States government's objective became to return as many black Seminoles, if not all, to slavery and probably influence the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. So a book called Florida's Negro War by Anthony E. Dixon is probably one book that you could check out to get some perspective on what happened there. Eight one three two three nine nine six six three is the number to call. This is Community Speaks. And go ahead, caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
3: This is George from Ybor City. Hey, George. I just want to um, bring up something that relates to everything you're talking about, that modern-day philosophers like Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson are part of this group of brainiacs known as the intellectual dark web. I don't know if you've heard of that, but look that up. Mm -hmm. But they talk about racism as a bigger set than what we commonly refer to it as they study the the origin of human consciousness and there's a partial part of the human consciousness that is racial racist by default and then there is another part which is dysfunctional which is what we most people refer to as racism and you and i know it as the angry neighbor who's a racist idiot And then the other neighbor who's being racist, but only because of ignorance. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know that they're being racist because they're ignorant, as opposed to a professional, so to speak, professional racist (laughs) who's doing it on purpose. And I want to say that there is hope, but there's also peril. Because now that we understand cognitive science and the concept of algorithm. We will be able to separate the ugly racist neighbor from the ignorant neighbor who's racist just by ignorance. But that's hope, because we're going to discover that. There'll be a test or a way. We all know it by when you know somebody. You can tell if they're just ignorant or racist. Mm. So so we're going to be able to tell the difference in the future. The peril is AI is is right now backward engineering this concept I'm talking about. And we humans need to backward engineer ourselves before AI does it ahead of us. Everybody talks about the fear of chat GPT. That, that stupid thing is not the problem. The problem is the concept, and we need to decode ourselves before, look what's happening out there and the
1: polarization. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I what I'm what's coming to my mind is that, and I'm looking at what you're talking about, the intellectual dark web, and it seems like part of what the they were worried about is in is what ultimately happened with Trumpism. That's a sort of paranoia that has been yeah. pushed around, even those who. We're not who are just uh, ignorant, you know. Are being exploited and made yeah. them to be more paranoid.
3: Yes. Well, that's the peril because look, if one POTUS can blow us up, can blow up society just by his rhetoric, Mr. Trump, if he can do it just by his rhetoric, imagine what an AI can do once it really learns and really backward engineers us like the movie Ex Machina where the AI Ava, she was always 10 steps of everybody. It's like playing chess with a computer that knows every single move. You know, we don't stand a chance if you don't understand you're playing with someone who already knows the the 100 possibilities that you're going to do. So we have to understand that about ourselves before AI does, which basically means just understanding what you guys talk about all the time, just understanding what racism is.
1: Right. So, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking that, you know, because AI can't reason, like a human needs to reason, you're always going to need that human touch. And you could put a lot of, like I said earlier, paranoia in the place of reason, but AI itself not being able to reason probably won't do that. Uh, it'll just make people maybe more ignorant and put together a whole lot of unsubstantiated facts uh, which people already use as uh, uh conspiracy theories
3: you just described right there you just described the peril of AI because you're just saying you're talking about AI right now AI learns exponential every year it gets better and better. you know where it started from spell check. Spellchecker. If you noticed in the beginning, it was crappy. It's still crappy, but it was worse. But it learn. It's learning. It's AI. It's baby. I call it baby AI. It's little baby junior AI, and it's learning our ways. Because if you notice, spellchecker, you're typing something now, and it just guesses crap. Like you say, it doesn't have reason. But every year, it's getting. Notice how it's getting better and better and better. It's learning us. It's backward engineering humans. AI is giving us humans a warning. Hey, y'all better get your crap together before I do.
1: You know or I mean? maybe it's just maybe. I guess you know. I understand what you're saying, but I think I think my fear is that bad actors, humans who are bad actors who want to spread disinformation, are going to get better at it
3: using now. You just change. now you just described every sci-fi movie we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Total Recall, all of them. You right. just described it. And because it's this ignorant, all-knowing thing that's kind of dumb, but it know like Trump. It could be exploited. He knows, yeah, he knows how to push buttons and exploit. And I don't, and, and, and all those movies it's portrayed as human versus AI, that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is what you said. It's going to be human against the human who's using AI for the bad purposes.
1: Yeah. Well, we could do a whole show on, on technology.
3: Yeah. Well, this is what humans need to understand. The differences between ignorance, ignorant racism and purposeful racism, which is really a matter of understanding your own alienation. And the, the people criticize the intellectual dark web because they're saying stuff nobody wants to hear. Like, um, you know, they say, oh, they're racist and they're this and that. that. No, they're not. They're describing the concept. But if you don't understand it, when you first glance at them, I could see how you would say, oh, they're a racist. Jordan Peterson's a racist. Sam Harris, you know, I see it, people criticizing him. But they don't understand. They're not talking about symptoms. They're talking about the greater concept. And and what the criticism on the from the about the left with all this wokeism stuff, the right says, "Oh, this wokeism! You're using your alienation to try to cure my alienation." When both of that is wrong, you have to pure, understand your own alienation before you can talk to your buddy and try to fix his. You know, you can't. You can't fix somebody else's alienation if you don't understand your own. And that's what the conflict of this wokeism is, the way I see it, between the left and the right. What do you think about that wokeism stuff?
1: Well, I just think that, you know, that's some real paranoia, to be afraid of of conscientiousness, about people being, quote-unquote, woke. I mean, I don't have... I think this is the right wing who... Cried about being canceled. This is their version of canceling everybody. Yes. So you know, I don't, they're the ones with the problem with with being woke. <laughs> yeah. I have man. no problem with it. And I think that's you know that's what's going to lead to rampant uh, ignorance if your kids are not conscientious about what's happened and what kind of world we have built here.
3: I love how um, who's the comedian? The short. Black girl, what's her name with the curly hair? Um, she talks about, she says, she says, woke Monique. is not a, is not an insult. She's a comedian and a host. Um, I can't think of her name. Everybody knows her. And she says, woke, that's not an insult. That's oh, Wanda. Insult. Wanda. Wanda, Wanda <laughs> yeah. Sykes. Wanda Sykes. I don't, know why I, said, I don't know why I couldn't think of it. But she's so funny. She goes, they think they're hurting us with this. Well, that's not an insult.
1: right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're not insulting us, right? Yeah, remember when um, AOC first came out and the right put that video of her dancing on the rooftop and they thought, well, we got her. Mm-hmm. We got her, look. And, uh, and people on the left are going, oh, you sure got her. She was having the time of her life. <laughs> and a great, positive thing, you really got her, didn't you there, pal? <laughs> yeah, right. that, that's That's what you're talking about is they, well, that's what I meant when they're using their alienation to talk about our, you could use the word cancellation, but it goes both ways though. That's what on the left we have to realize because we're doing it to them when, when, when we come along think about it, like this whole trans thing is very scary to a conservative who never even figured out regular Sexual relations—they don't even have that figured out—and now here, here the left comes along and says, "This is—you got to understand this tomorrow," and it's ten steps ahead of what you know. That's why they're alienated. Now, again, and I, I don't just understand think why the trans people don't get that.
1: No, I, I don't think that there. it's for them to get. I think the the right once again is exploiting a group, they're othering them, and it's not like it's new. It's not like, you know, conservatives didn't know about them or it's just something new to exploit. I think that's the one thing you could say about 45 is that when he's thinking out loud, he could be incredibly honest. And he himself couldn't understand how all of a sudden the trans issue is such an issue among his base. And he was like, you know, a year ago, you didn't hear anything about it. And now it's everywhere. You know, he, he said, what an issue. And he can't understand it, why it's, it's gotten, because somebody has been, has been pushing it as uh, something to exploit. And a lot of it, I think, comes from maybe watching right-wing movements in Hungary and watching Putin in Russia because they've exploited it.
3: And well, everybody just has it. figured out the, the real problem made it take off is the right, figured out how to monetize it mm-hmm. so now you have all these wannabes like um who's the black girl uh candace uh, owens uh, yeah <laughs> candace Owen. i can't think of all these names
1: yeah well you don't have she to was... say her name again
3: <laughs> <laughs> she was a democrat and a nobody and right. she figured out how to glob on to the to the trumpism franchise mm-hmm. if you will and when she got on that franchise, now she has millions of uh, fans. Yeah, and she's you know, and I don't know. It seems like she's only in it for the money. Uh, we we'd have to really her
1: and her husband. I think her husband is a a white guy that runs tried to run par uh, parab one of those right wing uh, social media networks to, and they couldn't compete. So it was about the money.
3: you were thinking of huh? Parler, is that what you're... Parler,
1: yeah, you're right.
3: Yeah, yeah. well, Parler and um, Twitter and all of these uh, corporations, uh, they're kind of in a spot because they... And it's just like, look at Elon Musk. That guy is democratic, liberal on the environment, on abortion, on everything except for one thing, money. When it Mm -hmm. comes to money, he is 100% Trump. Right. Because he's looking for those billionaire tax breaks. Right. So, I mean, in, in, so, yeah, so to call him a racist and all that isn't accurate. He's just a greedy opportunist. He's a capitalist. And they, that's,
1: what's the, you know, that's what's the root of the problem. The, the love of money is the root of all evil, I guess you could say. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, they we need uh, on the on the other side we need to monetize. This is what the left doesn't do and the right does it beautifully. They monetize all the grift.
1: Yeah, but they end up losing it. at the end of the day. I mean, it's and people are more divided and and they really it's a Pyrrhic victory. They 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 probably win one or two offices and then they start to go down. So I think that, you know, it doesn't get us anywhere, and you're right, you can't just mimic it on the left. We have to stay above the fray yeah. and, and, and yeah. stay in the game and, and look at the analysis, which is what I try to do here.
3: Because every time we stamp out one of their grifts, they just go to the next one. Remember when right. they tried to stop they tried to stop gayness? Right. Gayness was in the DSM as a mental illness. So all of a sudden, you know, that got stamped out, and then all of a sudden they wanted to stamp out interracial marriage, they want to stamp out uh, gay marriage, none of it worked. And now they're trying to stamp out trans, which isn't going to work either.
1: Right. It, it, the whole idea is one they one. don't want change. They don't want yeah. change.
3: They hey. jump from one grift to the next grift. <laughs> and we, we need to do that same thing they're doing, but do it for the good instead of the evil. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. Do it for the common good. Yeah. Hey, thank right. you for your call. Hey, thanks for your show. Thank you. And let's see if I can get somebody else on 813-239-9663. Go ahead. Caller, you're on the Community Speaks.
4: Hi. Good morning. Or good afternoon. This is Simon from Lakeland. Hey, um, Simon. I'll keep it real terse here. On, uh, there's a good book called Love Across Color Lines, Odely Acing. I don't know if you ever heard of Odely Acing uh, and Frederick Douglass. They had a relationship for 28 years. She was German. Mm-hmm. She was half Jewish. And she was translating Frederick Douglass's writing. Oh, okay, to, yeah. To the German people. Yeah. And so when we think of Frederick Douglass, I hope that we also think of Helen Pitt, second wife to Frederick Douglass. So with regard to AI... Let's keep in mind word association like emancipation, miscegenation, systematic racism, institutional racism, how they're going to correlate or how they are being dissipated in this culture with, as we become really one race in this country, trying to further the betterment of mankind in this country
1: and not focused on race so much. Okay. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. And and Adeline Aising, uh, Love Across Color Lines. So, you know, it's uh, people are looking for some good reads, and that looks like it should be one. He said it's about translating his writings to the German public. public.
4: Uh, and their relationship. She committed suicide after he married Helen Pitts
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at a, a little workup of the book. It looks interesting. Yeah. yeah. Good book. Take care. Thank you for your call. Well, got five more minutes. If you want to talk, 813-239-9663. Uh, we uh, brought up a couple of issues. We got the name of a couple of great... Reads to to look at. Uh, Go and check out Uh, Love Across Color Lines by Adelie A. Singh and Frederick Douglass. Uh, The Negro Wars, a short and critical examination of the modern day. Um, Nope, that's not the one. Um, The Negro Wars. Black Seminoles in the Second Seminole War. Um, And uh, the Slave Narratives. Uh, if you go and find the slave narratives, look for the name Glasgow Norwood. Read up and, uh, because he talks about his life under slavery and uh, would have lived during emancipation. Uh, so go and look up that name and uh, we're going to continue to follow what the group of Democratic lawmakers who have introduced a joint resolution to negate a clause in the 13th Amendment of the Constitution that permits slavery or involuntary servitude as a punishment for a crime. The abolition amendment was introduced just this past week ahead of Juneteenth on a national holiday, this national holiday uh, commemorating the end of slavery by, uh, this, uh, abolition amendment was introduced by Jeff, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon and Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey and Representative Nikema Williams of Georgia. Um, and, uh, maybe the 13th Amendment and its uh, impact on the um, outlawing of abortion on, as a national, safe, and uh, legal thing to have available. Go ahead, caller. You're on Community Speaks. You may have the last word. Go ahead.
5: Hi, my name's Ken Kerr. Uh, I'm a listener from, since 1992. Um, people should go to places like uh, Salvation Army, and goodwill and other thrift stores and look through their books you can get some excellent buys and i have one right here in my hand i sent you an email i don't know if you got it or not called slavery in america by uh-huh. richard o Curry and joanna dunlap cowden and uh it has actual newspaper accounts of people being pursued by their slave masters and yeah. what they did to the slaves breaking of bones, breaking of teeth, shackles, and uh, all that sort of thing. It has a really interesting cover picture of a man with a, a um, looks like some kind of metal and spikes around his neck. And uh, it's a really a horrific read. I mean, it really just brings everything right into your hands when you read an account that was actually written in a newspaper In the eighteen thirties, forties, fifties, etc. So I would highly recommend that book if you can find it. "Slavery in America," Theodore Wells, "American Slavery as It Is," and I think it was published probably about thirty years ago. Okay, nineteen seventy-two copyright nineteen seventy-two. So we're talking about fifty years ago.
1: Yeah, I see it now.
5: Stuff out there. If people just want to. Find this stuff on your own because that's what's gonna. That's what it's gonna take. Yeah, yeah. So, and I appreciate you being there and keep up the good work. All thank
1: right. Thank you for your call and thank you for that information. Slavery in America, and I'm gonna check that out. That looks really good. Um, we have a lot of uh, people writing in. The one talks about the new administrator in DeSantis's uh, little group that took over Disney's property. I'm gonna read a little bit more about that. Uh people enjoyed to talk about the AI. Stay tuned now. There's gonna be programming for the rest of the day, all day. Music programming. It's the music is coming your way next and uh, we're gonna continue to celebrate, commemorate the end of slavery, Juneteenth, here on WMNF radio. Stay tuned for another news update from National Public Radio News. My name is Patrick Mobili. This has been Community Speaks. Thank you for all your telephone calls, your emails, and uh, your book ideas. And uh, it's been great. This is Juneteenth. Keep it tuned here at WMNF Radio 88.5 FM. Juneteenth programming continues. This music is next, and uh, keep it tuned. That's going to be a potluck tonight. Donald Dowridge as Frederick Douglass here at WMNF.